Welcome to Your Team with Sue and Steph. I'm Sue. And I'm Steph, and we are the co-founders and owners of Your Teen Media, the resource for parenting tweens and teens. And today we're going to be talking with Katie Hurley, psychotherapist, author, and founder of Girls Can, focused on the empowerment of girls between ages 5 to 11. Her new book, A Year of Positive Thinking for Teens, was released this October, and what great timing. But before we get to Katie, we're going to address some of the things that we actually cover with her during the podcast interview, but they were really significant and left Stephanie and I both thinking, what does that mean for us? So the first thing we're going to talk about is Katie said that our windows of discomfort are shrinking. That is a fascinating concept that as a society, we are less able to sit with discomfort than we used to be. And so we talked to Katie about why she thought that was today. And Stephanie and I are going to talk about why, what we think caused it. My opinion, Starbucks. Starbucks started it all because you could get everything the way you wanted it. Like exactly. I mean, to the temperature, you could order your coffee. And like, when was coffee an activity? Like growing up, was coffee an activity for you, Steph? No. No. no right? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyway, so, you know, I have been in the store where someone has given an actual temperature. I do find that fascinating, except I'm only like a degree of separation, if that. Not Wait really. Wait a minute. Right? No, okay, I'm like, not. Wait, okay. I ordered your coffee. You're a degree of separation and a few degrees off from their order, right? It's like a double or a triple entendre. No, but it's because you can. I don't think, I think it's exactly what you're saying. It's because you can. If you didn't. If you had not heard someone do that, you wouldn't have known that was an option, right? And also, like, in the beginning, when Starbucks first became an activity, if you even grimaced when you taste your coffee, they would say, are you dissatisfied? We're happy to make it over again. Do you remember that period of time? Oh, my God, I really don't. <laughs> See, wow. that, that speaks to the whole problem. They literally wanted you to leave satisfied. Now, that probably cost them too much money because it's so hard. When you ask someone if you're satisfied... They think about it. It's different. It's totally than like, true. <laughs> yeah. Here's your cup of coffee. Delicious. Thank you so much. Do you like it? Um, I, I think I like it a, a little more like oaky. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it's fun. This is so funny. I was thinking some of it is generational because my mom was just telling a story the other night about ordering something. Oh, she had ordered some salmon or something, and she was saying, but I liked the sauce that was on this other thing, or I liked, I'm trying to remember what she was saying. I'm like, you know, you could have just said, bring me the salmon without that extra sauce. But that generation, and I think they're better for it. They just take things as they come. It's also why they don't question doctors and they don't like, it's just, oh, let's not carry it to there. That's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it is entirely true. Like growing up, you got a plate in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. You didn't ask them to hold anything. You didn't ask them to change anything. And you didn't look annoyed when it came with too much of something, you know? Totally, totally. My my mom will mutter or my dad be like, oh, I wish I, oh, that one looks so good except for that the side of green beans. Like, Todd Silverman has never ordered anything on the menu. Oh, me either. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, and that's what we should table for the next discussion is why Sue and I both think we are married to the same person. Wait, wait, to the same? Wait, did I say the that The same right? personality. No. The same, no, wait, I said it yeah. wrong. No, no. We each you, think. 
Wait, I have two spouses that are the same, a work spouse and a home spouse. And, and if I, it's like a riddle. If I have two spouses that are the same, how many spouses are there in total? I think there's just one. Yeah, so there's one, I, there's one person both, in the room. So both Dan and Stephanie have the same personality. And I think you would say that both Todd and Sue. And as evidenced by the fact that I never order off the menu. And let me ask you something yeah. else. Does oh, Todd boy. change the table? No, Todd oh, would not let change me down. The t- let me down. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. <laughs> and in fact, wait, not only would he not change the table. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't go there. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, he would I not change the table. No. Yeah. So that, no, no. But the order, right. Like, he likes his food how he likes his food. So, well, you're not going to be the boss why, of me. That like, menu's not. And also, <laughs> why would you get mushrooms on a dish that you like? but you'd like it more without the mushrooms. Like, it just doesn't need to be wasted. I'm doing it out of pure concern for the restaurant. It's not about me. Anyway, so that was one of the first things that we wanted to address. Do you have anything different, Steph? Well, okay, here, so it is that immediate gratification piece. And I also think there is, because we have so many, what's the word I'm looking for, platforms to communicate, you don't have to sit with a feeling either. And you and I talk about this all the time where something happens, get an email, conversation, and that whole like, oh, you bang something out. And you're like, okay, just sit on it. See how you feel about it tomorrow. See if you look at it with fresh eyes and if you feel differently. And inevitably, I do feel differently. I might, I shouldn't say that. I might have the same feeling, but I can tone it down. I'm not as, you know, I don't have that visceral reaction. So I think some of it also is just, the speed at which you can communicate, people thinks people think you should. I wouldn't go so far necessarily to say they should that we should. We it requires so much restraint. Yes, right. Like, exactly. Like, yeah, you you have to jump ahead of yourself. You have to cut yourself in line and say stop, which is yeah. pretty hard to do. Oh my god! No, there have been times <laughs> where all like my fi- and you and I are both very fast typers, and so my fingers are flying. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I probably. You know, and those are not the bad ones, but ones where like I would, I would want to go back and just read it again. But it's like, and also trying to clear out that inbox. It's just everything. The speed at which we move. Maybe that's the. Okay. So Katie Hurley also is going to talk to us about what we can, what we need to do to boost our own mood. And especially like right now in time where we're all trying to figure out as a family how to kind of survive our current situation. So talking about what do we need to do personally and as a family to change the mood. So, Steph, what do you need to do? To, I know you and I both know what we need to do individually. What, yeah. what do you need to do? And maybe what does your family need? Yeah, I, my family needs me to go for a swim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need me to, to leave. I cannot see your face, Sue. Not that anybody on the podcast really cares. I I just, I put a piece of paper in front of it because I don't know why. Okay. I can't see my face either. I've covered it. Um, But uh, yeah, no, my family needs me to go for a swim. But I, usually I can, it's kind of like when the kids were little and they talk about, you know, giving the kid the timeout or giving yourself the timeout. I feel like the swim is when I get to give myself the timeout because I'm feeling incredibly stressed and then can remove myself and come back a much better version of myself. My theme is the same. What? I think. I think I'm coming back as a better version. No, 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 no. But we're not talking about anybody but the eyes of the beholder. Like, if you come back feeling better, it's about you and what you walk in the door, like how, how you present yourself. And if 
And if your jerky people in your family don't appreciate that, that's not your problem. <laughs> Screw them. <laughs> Yeah. So mine is also exercise. I need to get out and go for a walk, a fast walk. I love it when I walk with a friend and there's about 80% chance, more likelihood I will go on the walk if I have a commitment with a friend. But the walks by myself, like in my own headspace where there's no phone to distract me, there's no people to distract me. That's like, that's probably a few sessions of therapy right there for free. Yeah, it's totally true. Well, it's funny. I am and you are very much like this too, I get such an immense boost from the outdoors. It's just, it changes everything being outside for me. I would most certainly agree, which is why we are both starting to lose our energy as we approach a different season. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Our guest today is Katie Hurley. We can't wait for you to join us. everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Our guest today is Katie Hurley. Katie is a child and adolescent psychotherapist, parenting educator, public speaker, and writer. Her new book, A Year of Positive Thinking for Teens, was released this October. Her previous books include the award-winning No More Mean Girls, The Secret to Raising Strong, Confident, and Compassionate Girls, the Depression Workbook for Teens, and the Happy Kid Handbook, How to Raise Joyful Children in a Stressful World. Hurley covers mental health, child and adolescent development, and parenting for a multitude of national publications. Thanks for being with us, Katie. Katie, when did you start writing this book? Believe it or not, I started writing this book in end of March, beginning of April, right as the country was shutting down. Did you, like know that we were going to need this right now? Or had it been like percolating in your mind and that was when you were going to do it? This was an interesting one because no, I had no idea this was coming. The publisher actually reached out to me and said, hey, we think we have this really great idea and you're the perfect fit. Would you write this for us? And I sort of hemmed and hawed on it for a little while, wondering would teens really gravitate toward a book like this? Would it really, you know, get in the hands of the people who need it? And I ended up saying, you know what, why not? And right after I signed the deal to start writing, it was March 13th, which was when Los Angeles went into lockdown. 
Well, you know what? Thank you. I mean, we're so glad it worked out because A Year of Positive Thinking for Teens is just an extraordinary book. It's really a valuable resource for teens and for parents. Oh, thank you. I put it in my Amazon cart. (laughs) I love it. All right. So Katie, positive thinking. What does that mean? And is it different than just being positive? It is different than just being positive. And, you know, one of the problems with the term positive thinking is that people think it's really empty and that it means like, just be happy, just be positive, say good things, think good things. And that's really not what it's about. In psychology, positive thinking, the first step to really mastering it is to get in touch with your negative thinking. So we're not just sweeping away the bad feelings. We're practicing radical acceptance. We're we're understanding why we feel negative, what's dragging us down, what's stressing us out. And we kind of make peace with that and then reframe it to positive thinking. So it's sort of finding that light at the end of the tunnel, but first walking all the way through the tunnel and then grabbing onto the light. All right. So that's like up here. That's higher than than my brain could take in. Okay. So it, we're, we're talking about like positive thinking as a concept. How would I engage in that right now as a mom at living in a place that's getting cold where we're going to all be stuck inside and nothing about me feels kind of like on my A game. So, you know, how do I bring it down to like the steps to do that? Right. And this is actually the exact right time to talk about how to do this because it is getting dark. It's getting cold. I was just joking that every day at four o'clock, it feels like midnight. I'm in my pajamas. You know, it's this is hard this time of year, compounded by the fact that we're getting all these sort of grave warnings about the virus and staying home and all these things. So this is the right time to start shifting our mindset. So if, for example, you were feeling like, we're going to be stuck inside all Thanksgiving week. We can't see anybody. It's not going to be any fun. It's not going to be our usual Thanksgiving. It's just it's just not what I was hoping for and not what I was expecting. What you would do is own those thoughts and say, you know what? This is a huge disappointment. I feel really disappointed that things aren't better, that we can't see our family on Thanksgiving, that we can't see our friends this week and do what we would normally do. What I feel good about is my kids are coming home from college. They're all going to be under one roof again. Maybe we'll do some things like we used to do, throw it back and play a lot of family board games or, you know, figure out other funny things to do around the fire. We'll find some ways to connect that we haven't been doing since they've been dispersed all over the place. It's like really much harder to do than it seems. I mean, we've (laughs) been living, we've been living in this situation since March. You know, in my head, if someone told me I had one more month, I could kind of push to the end of the finish line. But we don't know when it's over, and it's so challenging. The not knowing is one of the hardest parts because it triggers what we refer to as anticipatory anxiety. So we're kind of all in this heightened state right now of stress and anxiety, wondering, when will it end? What can I do? Can I go out for groceries? What's safe? What's not safe? We're getting all these different orders. We're reading news from all across the country not everything aligns. So different states are sort of having different rules and different orders put into place. It all kind of builds up into this anticipatory anxiety. We don't know what's coming down the pike and that feels really scary. What we can do is say that out loud, say, this all feels really scary. I don't know what is safe to do and what isn't safe to do. And it's freaking me out. What I do know is I can take care of myself in little ways. I can shift my eating habits in small ways so that I'm more energized. I can try to get a little bit more exercise. If I don't, if it's too cold to exercise outside, I can find an app that I can do in my bedroom and I can do something for myself. 
you know, 20 minutes for myself each day so that I feel a little bit brighter. That's the whole thing about positive thinking. It's not an overhaul and it's never an overnight success. It's what are the little things you can do today to feel a little bit better and a little bit more in control in the driver's seat of this anticipatory anxiety that you're carrying around. That's excellent, Katie. And it's a great segue, actually, to our next question, which is the fact that everyone is struggling right now. So it's us and our teens. It's not something where you're sitting on the sidelines watching your teens struggle and figure out how to help them. So there's this piece of helping ourselves and helping them. And you know this adage that we've always used in parenting about putting your own oxygen mask on first, does that apply here? <laughs> and, and how? Yes and no. I mean, I think the hardest part right now, particularly with teens and young adults, college students coming home, is that we're all experiencing so much stress and anxiety that it's sort of like this whirlwind inside our homes. <laughs> so, you know, yours affects mine and mine affects hers and hers affects his. And it just keeps, we're like passing the stress. We're passing the anxiety inside our homes. And so that feels hard and it feels very chaotic and out of control which is why people feel so uncomfortable right now. And one thing I keep talking about is that, you know, in the last couple of decades, one thing that has happened is that our windows of discomfort have been shrinking rapidly. So once upon a time, people could sort of handle a wider berth of discomfort. And now we're like, it's here and we, we can't handle it. But we have this enormous thing hanging over us, this pandemic and the I don't knows and the what ifs and what's going to happen next. And we're in these small windows of discomfort and we're all just panicking all the time. So what we can do is we do need to take care of ourselves. But I also say cushion that with take care of our families. So make it a family affair. Don't just say, I'm taking care of myself right now. Everybody leave me alone and shut yourself in the room. <laughs> you know, Have a plan. Sit down as a family and figure out what is the plan? What are the steps that we can all take both as individuals and together as families to improve our overall emotional health so that we're all feeling a little bit better? And, you know, exercise we do know is one of those things because it boosts our serotonin, it boosts our endorphins, but so does water drinking. So does sometimes just getting into really cozy clothes and reading a book. You know, there's all kinds of things that we can do, all kinds of small things we can do that boost our mood chemicals in our brains. We all need to figure out as a family, what are the things that work for you? Everybody should have a list and we all need to work together. So yes, put on your oxygen mask, but at the same time, be thinking more globally of the whole thing. We have to step outside ourselves right now. That's the biggest thing. We have to step outside ourselves so that we can all work together. Well, the comfy clothes hasn't been a problem for me at all. <laughs> I'm curious, why are we shrinking in our ability to sit with discomfort? Is there, do you know a reason why that's been happening? Well, no one likes to hear it, but one reason it's been happening is our, we live in a culture of instant gratification. It started with Amazon Prime, and I'm not blaming Amazon Prime, but we can no longer wait for things. And right now, Amazon Prime is failing us because of shipping issues. And so now we sometimes have to wait three or four days instead of two. And we're mad. We're livid when things don't arrive in two days. It said it was going to be 24 hours. Where is it? So we're used to getting everything instantly. What do we do when we feel the first you know, feeling of discomfort about anything? We jump into our phones, we jump into social media, we scroll, we distract ourselves. Somewhere along the line, somebody said, hey, distraction is a great coping tool. Sometimes it is. What we do is distract ourselves 24-7 all the time with social media, with games, with whatever we can do to not think about our problems. 
And the problem is problems don't go away. Not thinking about them doesn't make them smaller. It actually makes them bigger. They start to snowball behind the scenes. So because we're so unwilling to engage with our discomfort, our windows are shrinking and now we're in trouble. And what's the antidote? So the antidote is dealing with it, you know, owning it, talking to people in our trusted circles, you know, whether it's a spouse or an adult child or, you know, a friend, a parent, sibling, whoever, you know, talking to people and owning it and saying, like, I feel really uncomfortable with this. I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out. You know, we all have people in our lives that we rely on when we need to just vent and get things out. We're good at venting anger and frustration. We're not as good at venting worry and anxiety. And we need to be able to. We need to start accepting that worry and anxiety are just feelings. We all have them. The more that we talk about them, the more we normalize them, the easier it becomes to engage with those things. So that's step one is really figuring out who can we talk to about it. If we really have no one, then write it down in a journal, you know, get an app on your phone if you don't want to write it down by hand, although research shows writing by hand is always better. But get those feelings out. And then what we can do is start shifting the way that we think. So it's not positive thinking is not I'm the happiest, most positive, optimistic person in the world all the time. That person doesn't actually exist. It's I can handle this. I feel stressed out right now. This is freaking me out. I don't know which way to turn, but I know I can handle it because I've been through these hard things before. You know, what other hard things have you overcome in the past? Remember those things. Talk out loud say them out loud. I'm capable of overcoming obstacles. I have done this before. And that's how we start pushing those windows back out. We kind of have to, I mean, I always joke with the teens I work with, but you know, pretend you're wearing a cheerleader outfit. You got to cheer yourself on and empower yourself to take these steps. Katie, what are you hearing from teens and tweens? A lot of things. There are a lot of complaints about distance learning. A lot of the teens and tweens I work with are in some sort of hybrid program right now, or they're still completely virtual. And it's hard. You know, they're struggling with the demand to constantly be on camera. There are, you know, things that happen when you're constantly on camera that are stressful and anxiety producing. Kids are telling me that sometimes other kids are taking screenshots of like unflattering pictures and sharing them and that kind of stuff is happening. So that's difficult. They're feeling disconnected from their teachers. They really miss those small moments with teachers, you know, the tap on the shoulder or just the teacher walking around the classroom and pointing to something or checking on something or whispering something. You know, teachers do a lot of small communications with students throughout the day. And those are missing when kids are in virtual classrooms. So they're missing that kind of comfort and connection with their teachers. They're missing the time spent with their friends. You know, they're trying to make up for it. They're figuring out creative ways to do fun things on Zoom and FaceTime. And they're doing a lot of TikToking and social media, but it's not really, nothing fills that hole of not being able to just hang out and and do nothing, you know, just wander around and do nothing. That's what teenagers do best. And they're really, by and large, not allowed to do that right now. Okay. So the next question was reliant on you saying how much we're annoying our kids. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So can you give us a little bit of like a glimpse into what they're finding frustrating about life at home with their parents? Well, the biggest thing they find frustrating about doing absolutely everything from home is that their parents are always there. (laughs) So they're 
even if they're not standing right behind the computer listening in, they're listening in from another room and then they're following up with the kids like ad nauseum. Oh, did you do this thing? Did you do that? Oh, I heard your teacher asked you about this missing assignment. Did you get that in? So the micromanaging, you know, it's sort of like this concept of helicopter parenting that we're all afraid of becoming. We're all becoming because (laughs) we're constantly here. We know so much more about what's going on. When kids are in school full time, we don't know actually what happens most of the day. I mean, the teachers sort of handle that and take care of that. And we get the snippets. We get the highlight reel when the kids come home. Well, now we're always there. We're always hanging around. You know, we're maybe intervening when our intervention is not welcome nor necessary. And then, you know, we're even around when they're trying to have social interactions. So, and then we're, (laughs) the the biggest thing that kids keep telling me is they went from having like a couple of chores to like these enormous chore lists. Like now that they're home full time, they're supposed to be doing all the chores in the house all the time, but also they're in school virtually full time and they have homework on top of that. So we've adjusted our expectations in maybe not such a fair way because they're here all the time. And we're not accounting for the fact that Zooming to learn is emotionally exhausting. It's super taxing on the brain. So when kids are tired and cranky and snapping, it's because they're done, they're fried. And we don't always remember to account for that. Oh, but there's nothing more energizing than doing the dishes. So I don't really know what you're speaking about. (laughs) But I do, I want to just follow up and say that we almost need permission because the, the story that we're putting out ourselves also at your teen to parents of teenagers is you know, there's a lot to worry about right now with our kids' mental health and and lagging behind in school. And so on the one hand, we need to worry. And on the other hand, we need to ignore them and let them fail. And it will all kind of work at, or, or not fail, but just like get out of their way a little bit more. That recipe is almost impossible. Well, so what I say is, in, instead of that version of it, what I say is connect and guide. <laughs> so, you know, and I know there are the people that say, we've got to just let them fail and blah, blah, blah. And, and they have to fail sometimes, you know, and they have to learn to overcome obstacles. But remember, teenagers fail all the time. So you're thinking of grades and like big things, but teenagers experience micro failures all the time. You know, the joke that falls flat at the lunch table not getting to lunch in time and not having the seat, not getting included in, you know, some sort of social event. There's all kinds of micro failures that tweens and teens experience near constantly. So they are working on overcoming a wide variety of obstacles. But when we're thinking about academics and stuff, so I say what they need right now more than anything, because we do know that their mental health is of utmost importance. So they need connection and they need that connection to be calming. So if if we show up and we're trying to micromanage everything they're doing online and we're appearing anxious and we're telling them everything is wrong in the world and everything is hard, they're not going to do well. They are going to be anxious and stressed out because they're going to pick up on that from us. So we have to come in and we have to be calm connectors and then give them little bits of guidance. So don't fix all their problems for them, but say, gee, I wonder how you could solve that problem. You know, what what do you think that you could do? I'm thinking maybe you could try this, but is, does that work or does that not work? So, you know, oh, I'm wondering if you should just email the teacher directly instead of perseverating over whether or not this paper is late. You know, maybe you could just send an email and see what happens. Sometimes they take our advice. Sometimes they tell us that we're idiots and we don't know anything. That's okay. 
you know, that's part you read of my mind, Katie, becoming independent, right? It's like sometimes they have to push us away, and then sometimes they take it in and they go, oh, Yeah, you're right. Sometimes it takes 24 hours for them to come back and say, I did send the email, fine, you know, and they, and they give us sort of that kind of response. But, you know, they do listen. And teens tell me that all the time, that they do listen. They just don't always like to admit that they're listening because they don't like it when their parents gloat about being right. (laughs) So they're not going to tell you ever (laughs) when you are right because you might gloat and then that's not going to feel good. So it's a balance. But I don't think we need to, especially right now, the step back and totally let them fail is not solid advice because this is already just so hard. So just showing up with how can I help you? What can I do? Is there anything I can do or do you just need me to listen? That's great. And I I think that as I think about parents whom we are often uninspiring, your book is quite inspiring. And also the fact that you're not the parent, at least to all of the, your teen kids, we'll say. I'd love to talk about the book for a little bit and focus on two entries. Maybe you could read them for us. The first one is from January 29th and you titled it, Accept All of You. Okay. Accept All of You. Accept and embrace all of you. You will experience highs and lows as you go through life. You will become familiar with your strengths and weaknesses. If you only focus on what you think are your best moments or your most important contributions, you will miss out on the parts of you that keep going through the difficult times. Accept everything that makes you whole. Embrace the good and the bad, the highs and the lows. Celebrate all parts of you. Okay, that's beautiful, whether you're a teenager or an adult. It's perfect, which is probably why this is a really good book to read together with your family. Right. That is my hope, is that a lot of families will use it together. Okay, and so I picked February 7th because that one just really affected me. Happiness is an inside job. This is one of my favorites, and I actually talk about this with tweens and teens all the time, all year round. Happiness is a feeling, and like any other feeling, it comes and goes. No one is happy every minute of the day, but you can create a greater degree of happiness by working from the inside out. Material objects provide moments of happiness, but feeling happy is very different. Create more happiness in your life by getting to know yourself better. Answer the following questions to get you started. When do I feel the most joy? What do I enjoy doing when I'm alone? What do I enjoy doing with friends? What sparks happiness for me? They're so beautiful. Sometimes those simple questions are hard to think about, right? And I think breaking it down, they're not so hard. And I think people know them intuitively. They know the answers, right? Yeah. We just don't, as a society, don't make time to think about these kinds of questions. You know, we're always on the treadmill. We're always trying to accomplish. We don't always slow down and make time for this kind of thinking. Yeah. It's funny. I was just reading something and it was written maybe seven years ago and they made a comment about maybe civilization just needs to slow down. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be a treat? And I thought, oh my God, <laughs> like, isn't that where we are? So we're going to end this with the question we ask all of our guests, which is what is the biggest myth about parenting teens? Well, for me, the biggest myth is that teenagers are always sort of snappy and sarcastic and unpleasant to be around because I find teenagers to be inspiring and empowered and just wanting to make a big difference in the world. You know, we look at their weak spots and their obsession with social media or their nonstop playing of games. And we say, that's a problem. They're not trying hard enough. They're not doing enough. But behind the scenes, I find that teens are doing a lot. You know, they're using social media 
better than adults in some cases. They're trying to fight for empathy and compassion among people their age. They're trying to find good, solid information and share that with one another. So I just think we go into it. We've been told for so many decades that the teenage years are so hard and that we should be scared of them. And I just think if we can slow ourselves down and really learn how to enjoy the ride, we can learn so much from our teens and it doesn't have to be scary. Katie Hurley, thank you so much for being here with us. And everybody listening, get your book of A Year of Positive Thinking for Teens. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us for Your Teen with Sue and Steph. If you have any topics that you want us to talk about, let us know on our Facebook page or email editor at yourteenmag.com. Also, if you want to receive our newsletter, head on over to yourteenmag.com. Your Team with Sue and Steph is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to executive producer Michael D'Aloya, plus producer Hannah Leach and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. If you like today's podcast, please leave us an iTunes review or send the episode to a friend. You can find more from us at yourteenmag.com, at evergreenpodcast.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Kim Thompson, host of Storytime Anytime, a podcast packed with songs, stories, and a whole lot of learning fun. Each episode will explore a new topic like dinosaurs, sharks, space travel, chemistry, horses, reptiles, and so much more. New episodes are out every other week, so check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. It's really story time and music at its best, exclusively for kids.